0: Welcome to TC Daily, the technology show brought to you by Tech Central. I'm Duncan MacLeod. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do so. You can go to youtube.com slash techcentral. And while you're doing that, why not subscribe to Tech Central's daily newsletter? You can do that at techcentral.co.za slash newsletter. Now, I'm really excited about my next guest in the studio, someone I've been hoping to have on the show since we launched TC Daily, and that's Michael Markovitz, former SABC board member and now head of the Gibbs Media Leadership Think Tank. Michael, it's great to see you. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Pleasure. Now, we're going to talk all about public broadcasting, broadcasting more broadly, even the whole media industry today. Lots of ground to cover, um, but uh, we're going to start somewhere. So let's chat about your new role, and that's as head of the Gordon Institute of Business Science Media Leadership Think Tank. Uh, This is your... This is your baby, right? You've, right. You've, 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 you came yeah. up with this idea. Tell me a bit about the think tank, what it does, what okay. it has to
1: achieve. Well, well, thanks a lot for having me, uh, Duncan. And uh, yeah, so the think tank is really a, a, what I would see as a knowledge generation, advocacy, policy research, uh, in, not an institute, but it's, it's really a platform that we've developed at Gibbs yeah. that focuses on the challenges faced by the media and how that impacts on democracy. I think that you probably know better than most is that the fragility of the media and the fr- fragility of democracy has not just been an African problem, it's really been a, become a global problem in the last 10 years. So when, uh, when my SABC term was, well, I could see the finish line, mm. I thought, well, there's something that I would run, wanna get into in more detail, and that's policy and the research areas about how do we sustain the media and the various challenges facing the media. And there's a sort of perfect storm at the moment where you've got sustainability issues, i.e. business models. Uh, Secondly, you've got the misinformation and disinformation and the tech platform and the power of the tech platform. And related to that, you've got the issue of digital competition, competition in the digital economy. So with those sort of cornerstones, we thought it would be a good idea to set up a think tank to focus research and policy
0: on those areas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what are you hoping to achieve with this think tank? What, what, what do you count as successes?
1: Um, I would count as successes the ability to generate policy and research that has some, f- some influence uh, potentially on all the different stakeholders, that would be government, civil society. Um, and I think that you, know, you have to look around the world. There's a huge uh, uh, um, disproportionate... Think tank uh, world out there in 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 the global north, so to speak, in the mm-hmm. northern hemisphere, where it's seen as a, a normal thing to do for for different areas of policy, um, whereas in the the global south, which South Africa is part of, it's it's there's far less. So what you're wanting to do is yes, learn from what has already been done in in Europe, in America, in other countries, um, but also develop solutions that take into account our particular situation. So. Yes, it is a, a grand aim. um i, I take it as 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 a, as a grand target that one wants to achieve, but I think it's a needed it's a needed uh, um plan because we there's a dearth of 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 african generated policy and research solutions for the media for the media industry. when I say media, Duncan, just going me clarify, I, I do include tech policy as well because okay. there's there's an overlap there between yeah yeah exactly. so uh, it's not just the media as one knows it in terms of uh, content and and, and, and and print, but obviously one's look at the the tech platforms and social media as well
0: and is the idea ultimately as well to influence government policy around some of these issues
1: Well I think that that's certainly one of the one of the aims um, and not just the South African government. we do want to be seen as a pan African uh, think tank building links across the continent and developing you know, solutions that are not just South Africa specific.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, Michael, you've just finished five years uh, of, uh, uh, what would they call it, a a civil um, service, I suppose, uh, as a board member of the SABC. I'm I'm glad to see you've emerged with uh, relatively unscathed, with with, uh, (laughs) a head uh, not full of grey hair at this stage. Um, It must have been uh, quite a trying experience, I imagine.
1: Well, you know, Duncan, in 2017, um, I put up my hand. Okay, so to, metaphorically speaking, when the SABC was was in a crisis, which a lot of us tend to forgo- forget how bad it was.
0: Yeah, we would uh, just come out of the period of Klaudi Mutsuaneng. Exactly. I think many people forget that name. But the SABC had been run into the ground. Uh, as a new board, you were you were inheriting a mess.
1: Yeah, we, we inherited a mess. But even before that, what what we almost had a Zondo Commission before the Zondo Commission. <laughs> because what a lot of people don't remember... Is it got so bad that Parliament had an inquiry, mm-hmm. and actually dissolved the SABC board that that was running the show uh, during Shladi's time, and they basically made a number of recommendations, which you know they said the next board had to had to uh, take up. But when we were appointed, and I, and I and I thought you know look now now's the time you know for public service. Let me, let me give my time. I'd, you know, I'd spend a lot of time in the industry, mm. in the public sector. I'd been at the regulator. I'd been at Prime Media. And I thought, let me see if I can add some value to, to the SABC board. So I stood when I had to go through a public uh, interview and appointment process. And, and I was impo- appointed in, in October 2017 with uh, 11 others. Um, and we inherited a beleaguered, mistrusted, um, and nearly insolvent uh, public institution that had become part of the kleptocratic state, state capture project mm-hmm. under former President Zuma. So, you know, it's, media, as you know, survives on trust. Yeah. And rebuilding trust was really a very important, uh, an important job. But we were very lucky because on the day of our appointment, and I think it was a serendipitous moment, is the Gauteng High Court came out with a judgment in SOS versus Minister of Communications, which said quite clearly that the minister was precluded from being involved with the board and that the board was exclusively in charge of the SABC. I'm paraphrasing. Mm -hmm. So with that judgment in mind, the board took office knowing that it had those independent powers. It had the independent powers to appoint an executive team. Um, and that, without the involvement of the executive arm of government, and I think that also clarified the government's role. They mm-hmm. then understood what their role was, and I think that was a very important Helped. start.
0: Mm-hmm. Helped a lot. Now I must ask you this question: You, you uh, we've spoken over many years about the role of public broadcasting, and I think we've we've had some robust debates about about the value of a public broadcaster. Are you more bullish or less bullish now than when you started about the role and importance of public broadcasting? In the context of the South, South African landscape i 'm bullish about the need i 'm not bullish about the
1: sustainability okay, okay. so I, on the need side, I believe that public media is a public good. What is a public good is something that not is not easily replaceable. so you have to ask yourself a question: if there was no SABC, who would do vernacular broadcasting who would do the different types of local content that we do on radio. And I still say we, so let me just excuse that because five years sure. is a hard habit to 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 shake. But the S C B C really has a role that is not easily replicable by the private sector. Right. So that's your starting point, you know? And then the second thing is is that there's actually been a lot of studies um, around the world about the link between a well funded independently around public broadcast or public media, as people now like to call it, and the democratic health of a society. So there's that link uh, that has been firmly established where public broadcasting is funded properly and run properly. There's a correlation, and I know a correla- correlation isn't causation, but a very strong correlation between a well-funded public broadcaster and a strong democracy. So I'm bullish on the need. The sustainability is a separate issue. Yeah.
0: I mean, something very clearly went wrong in the Zuma administration. The SABC was run into the ground. There was a crazy man running the, running the show. Um, now, that was obviously not the intention uh, of uh, you know, the legislation and the, all the regulations that sit around the SABC, yet it happened. Yeah. How, how do we stop it from happening again?
1: Yeah, well, that, that's a very good question, Duncan, because what you've pointed to is it's not just about a board or a management. It's the ecosystem. It's about the policymaker, government. It's about Parliament, the oversight, and it's about the regulator and the public. So you need a lot of things to work or you know, Mm -hmm. reverse to go wrong for the SABC to fail or succeed, as the case may be. And you could ask yourself the question, well, why did the uh, Schlaudi-Motseneng situation, was it allowed to develop? It was a failure of the ecosystem. It was a failure by, by Parliament until the very end, and credit to Parliament with credit is due, 2016- 2017 they saw what was happening and they and they decided to to form an, uh, an ad hoc committee to mm-hmm. investigate uh, and, and as I said that led, led to the dissolution of the board but there was a failure in really in in during that time to take seriously what was going wrong and I think the failure was also on on, on the government side is as we now know the minister that was was primarily running the SABC then uh, was uh, um, you know, identified by Chief Justice Zonda as one of the implicated people uh, in terms of, of, you know, allegedly being captured by, by the Guptas. Um, We're talking
0: about Faith Mutambi. Uh, Faith
1: Mutambi. And, uh, you know, she was also involved in, in, in the unlawful removal of board members and the unlawful involvement as that court judgment found. In fact, it was her behavior uh, to the SABC that motivated civil society to litigate against uh, uh, the minister, that minister, and the SABC itself. Mm -hmm. So in a lot of ways, you know, one can thank Faith Mutambi because it was her behaviour and involvement, as I said, that led to the clarity being given by the courts. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I say thank in inverted commas, but it did lead to a very important judgment, which is looked at around the continent Mm -hmm. with a lot of envy because most public broadcasters, are seen as state broadcasters on the continent yeah. where they're just simply seen as the mouthpiece of government. And, you know... Often the
0: SABC S- had come to be seen as that. The
1: SABC was seen as that. Um, and, and yes, there were a lot of very good people working within the SABC. We had the stance of the of the SABC, so-called SABC-8 who stood up mm. to Sladi Motseneng's protest directive where he directed that no protest should be shown or violent protest should be shown. And it was clearly... You know, it was over that. Is kind of very naked mm. editorial interference was overturned, but that you know people did stand up. But ultimately, it was very difficult when the person and the board that was running the SABC at the time did not share the view that the SABC should be an independent public broadcaster and as a pillar of constitutional democracy. They didn't see it that same way. They saw it as an institution to be controlled either for narrow political ends or nefarious purposes.
0: That court judgment that you referenced, has that done enough or do we need to see legislative changes? Do we need to see other measures to strengthen the corporate governance and the oversight of the SABC? I'm just asking this, you know, what happens if we have another rogue president after Ramaphosa? What happens if we have a rogue communications minister who wants to, to come in there and appoint another yeah. have we Motsuaneng? Are the procedures, are the rules sufficient now after that court judgment? Does that court judgment give enough precedent to stop that from happening again? Or is there a no. risk that it could happen again?
1: I think there's always a risk that it could happen again. I think, you know, America thought its uh, institutions were, were were pretty strong. Mm. And, and look how close they came to really a, a, almost a coup. Yeah. So I don't think one can ever be totally relaxed or complacent about these things. But one would, what one would like to see is a lot of the elements of the judgment codified into legislation. And, you know, the SABC has made substantive proposals to government about not only funding the how the SABC should be funded in the future, but in terms of that governance element, cl- clarifying those areas where the act is silent. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I do think it can be strengthened. But at the end of the day, I don't think any law... Is 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 totally uh, uh, you know is is is, is the guardrail Fearproof. foolproof 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 mm. or bulletproof? I think one has to have the you know one has to have the people that believe in upholding the constitution that are selected for these
0: important positions. Right, right, right. So when you came in, the SABC must—I mean, the the the, the 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 atmosphere there must have been pretty toxic. Uh, the newsroom fighting with with Flavio mm. at the time. Yeah. Um the board I mean just explain explain the role of a board member of the SABC. Is it is it different to the to a director of a JSC listed company? Uh, are you more involved in running the day-to-day affairs of the business?
1: No. I mean we are strictly not involved. Um we board members are strictly not involved in the operational affairs of the SABC. Board mem- the board appoints the top three, mm-hmm. the the CEO, the CFO and the COO and there's normal quarterly oversight. But with a, a, a business and a company like the SABC, um, you end up having to meet a lot more than quarterly. A mm-hmm. lot of issues come up uh, that require the board to meet. Um, and you, know, you know, COVID fast-tracked a lot of digital uh, uh, services, so the board was able to meet quite, quite easily um, over the pandemic. But, you know, one of the key things was for the board was to rebuild public trust, which is not easy, okay? You could just read what people thought about the SABC. Even five years in, Duncan, even though we the SABC covered two elections and got a sort of bill of health from civil society organizations talking about the 2019 and 2021 elections, mm-hmm. that the SABC covered those elections fairly. That, was, that, that had never happened before where civil society said we, we're totally happy with maybe back in the day in the, uh, in the mid-90s. But since then, I think uh, SABC had lost its way. So I think the main thing was also to develop new editorial policies, and that was done in 2020. And those policies entrenched, in a way, the, the, the role of an editor-in-chief um, who was totally independent from the operation of the board and was protected by policy as well. So mm-hmm. I think those were some of the sort of trust-building mechanism. The board tried to achieve um, in its in its time, um, and I think that there were a number of other elements where the board had to take a stand on certain matters. Um, we had a very difficult uh, labour uh, process um, at the time, which, which pe- most people are familiar with, which led to a lot of bitterly. Uh, the con- retrenchment program. Yeah, the retrenchment process, the Section One Eighty Nine process. That was ugly. It was mm. terrible. It in you know, a very difficult position for for the board to be in, but um, if people, uh, uh, one of the things that you haven't mentioned is obviously the SABC survived that close to insolvency period by getting a bailout, Mm -hmm. um, which is a 3.2 billion rand bailout. And I often say that that bailout was the unfortunate price of state capture because it's one thing to take over a a board and 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 a corporation like the SABC. But when you find that there's no oxygen in the system, you, 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 you can't remain permanently in ICU. Mm. So that bailout was necessary. But one of the conditions of the bailout was that the SABC had to address what was called the uh, a bloated workforce and a, or, the comp- or, the, or the compensation uh, element of, 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 the, of the financials, which was seen as out of kilter. Mm. The, the board took it a decision to do that uh, management then implemented and it was a highly, as you know, very difficult, involving people, very painful, mm. um, very divisive. But the board took a view that it, w- it was something it had to do and that it was actually required by Treasury uh, mm. in the first place. Um, so yeah, that was difficult. It was very difficult.
0: Have you left the SABC in, in good financial health or do you think there's a risk of it needing another bailout down the line?
1: Well, I cannot say we've left it in good financial health when it still made a, a just over two hundred million rand loss in the last financials. But when we took it over, it was on a one point four billion right. loss. So, on the one hand, you know we 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 we've, we've reduced the losses, but at the same time, we also, like the rest of the media, went through COVID, um, and the you know advertising revenues were badly hit. Um, SABC also in you know, and this is on the SABC, underspent on content on television, um, and so audiences dropped, um, and that's being addressed now. And you know, there's a long cycle to, t- to turn that around because it can be an 18-month uh, process. So the SABC is certainly not out of the woods financially. You know, one has to be absolutely clear about that, and that is why we've made these proposals to government, because if you look at it, the SABC, and I've done the research on this, It's probably one of the most commercially dependent public broadcasters mm. on the globe.
0: It's around 80% of its revenue comes from, uh, from advertising. Right?
1: That's correct. Mm-hmm. You know, that's advertising and sponsorship right. and co- other commercial revenue. And, then, and you've got 16% from license fees and only 3% from government grants. So often people talk about, oh, public f- money is being wasted, yes, we are entrusted as a board, uh, uh, the board was entrusted to, to look after the SABC, which is a public entity and is under the PFMA. But, you know, the amount of, of, of ongoing government grants is only 3% of total revenue. And that is very unusual compared to other public broadcasters around the world. That is not sustainable because you cannot have something which is at the same time a public good, but is really subject to the vagaries of, of a highly competitive... Uh, industry and market forces. That's not to say SABC shouldn't compete on its own footing. But where you've got these critical public services, being dependent totally on on, on advertising 80% is really um, uh, a huge dependence. There needs to be a different look on how to sustain public broadcasting going forward.
0: So how how do we sustain public broadcasting going forward is the next logical question. I guess. And I know there have been a lot of I, I guess I'll call them clickbait headlines around around license fees and mm. what the SABC has proposed to government that it wants. What is it exactly that the okay. SABC has proposed to government?
1: Okay, so well, I think that's a, that's an important lead-in because I think there's been a lot of uh, misinformation by mm. clickbait media who seem to thrive on on not only real uh, misfortunes of the SABC but they they tend to sort of. You know, generate clicks out of, out of imagined misfortunes. But really, we had to look at the license fee. Now, it's called a TV license fee. Now, mm. it's an archaic concept. Let me be absolutely emphatic. It's an archaic concept to have a license fee that is linked to a piece of technology, which is only one way that media is consumed. SABC is the second biggest online news source in the country after News24. A lot of people don't know that. They think, oh, this this fuddy-duddy analog public broadcaster. It may be that in certain respects, but it's also the second biggest online news source. That's a, that's a major thing. Secondly, you know, um, the SABC is received across the country. Even in the far rural areas, it's received by everyone mm-hmm. on radios. Uh, it's received by people on phones. We've got an SABC News app, which is one of the things that, that happened un, under our term. So the first thing was is to de-link it from a device. De-link the license fee from any device or consumer electronic product and change the name of it and the definition of it as a public media levy or a public media household levy. Now, the basis is, and I see a lot of people saying, we don't use SABC, why should we pay for Mm -hmm. it? Around the world, the view is of of, of public broadcasting, which is growing, and in particular the Germans have made this clear, is that it's not about whether you use it. It's about whether you've got a realistic possibility of accessing it, Mm -hmm. that it exists. And they've also made the link between financing public broadcasting and constitutional democracy. It's even gone up to their constitutional court, which held that it was valid. And if it ever got to that, uh, I'm pretty confident our constitutional court would agree that the concept of some form of public financing for public interest programming is constitutionally valid. But that's the first thing. Just to clear up that first of all, it's not linked when you buy a TV set. Okay. It shouldn't be linked about whether you use it or not, because there's no way of telling that. Mm. Okay, And the third thing is really how do you collect it? Okay, that really was the big problem. Um and because there's no real consequence, it's seen as a grudge purchase, only one-fifth of, of households are paying, the SNBC decided to come up with a proposal that the pay tv operator a pay tv monopoly multi choice should be required by law to part collect the sabc public levy in my own personal view that should be extended to streaming uh, operations that achieve scale uh, that was not what the sabc said but i'm just giving my mm-hmm. personal view and the feeling there was it was it would be a almost a public duty of these operators not to the, they're not subsidising the SABC, they're just using their collection uh, mechanism, their payment mechanisms, and I would see it very similarly to what, what the airlines do where you've got to pay a tax to, to AXA or, or, or you know, whatever, whatever airline taxes are. You've got private, private companies paying in a, a tax to sustain the airports. Um, you look at tourism levies where you know, it's collected on your hotel bill, you probably don't see it, it's at the bottom. And SABC was thinking of a similar thing, saying, look, you guys have got an efficient payment mechanism. We're not asking you to collect from people who have already paid. Obviously, there needs to be a back-end system to establish whether people have already paid. And if they've already paid, there must be a way that they don't have to double pay. But to the extent that they haven't paid, they should be required by law to collect it. And I would imagine they could even be able to charge a collection fee for, for their troubles because one of the, the, the complaints is, you know, why, why are you putting this extra burden on us? We've got so much else to worry about. Um, obviously, the reaction to that was not uh, positive uh, from Multi Choice, who, who said it would be, would be globally unprecedented. Um, they also called it mischievous. And unfounded. And the last time I was called mischievous was probably fifty years ago. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, on the serious side, you know, and I, and, I, and I know a lot of good people who work at MultiChoice. So obviously, this, is, this certainly isn't a personal thing. It's it really is a policy mm. issue. Um, is that MultiChoice had thirty years of no competition whatsoever? Um, it was granted an exclusive license during the mid eighties, mid uh, apartheid, to the strongest media companies in the country at that time. Um, it built a fantastic business, no question about it, but it had no competition. And that's also the fault. It's not the fault of multi-choice mm-hmm. per se, it's the fault of the regulator, fault of governments, but it grew into a situation where one could say it got used to monopoly profits. Now it's got some competition, sure, from, from streamers like Netflix, from Amazon, etc. But I think that, you know, that's normal. That, that's, uh, that, and that shouldn't be seen as a reason why this obligation shouldn't be taken seriously. Let's discuss it. Let's debate it. Because if you look at what's happening in Europe, in Europe, European states are, are, are quite aggressive in requiring the streamers. And I know Multitrace is, is also a streamer, but it's mostly a broadcaster. But they require the streamers, and there's a lot of laws in a lot of states at the moment being considered by parliaments, to pay, to pay a subsidy towards public interest programming and European programming. Um, and there are various proposals on that. This is not about uh, 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 the pay TV operator paying a subsidy. This is just being a collecting agency. Mm. And I think it's a lot softer than what's going on in the rest of the world. So, yes, while they may argue that it's, that it's unprecedented, there, and, and, and there isn't really a, 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 a situation where it's saying it should, it's not doable.
0: It's doable. Is there is still a role for a public broadcaster, though, in this changing environment? If, I mean, just taking these arguments you've made now, isn't there an argument to be made if you believe there should be public service programming that instead of multi-choice collecting the fees and eventually passing them through to the SABC, that, the multi, that multi-choice develops that public service programming itself and that right. Netflix develops that public service programming itself and that the SABC, if it, if it, if it can't stand on its own two legs, be allowed to well, disappear?
1: Now, well, I mean, I think I dealt with that at the, at the outset as the concept of a public good. If you took away everything that the SABC does, and I think people tend to focus on the TV side. Right. You know, SABC is not just a TV operator, it's, it's, it's the biggest radio operator in the country, and most right. of those radio services are in vernacular languages. You know, I don't think your streaming companies and, uh, and, and multitudes are about to get into radio, or, you know, even the private sector radio, if you look at it, is predominantly in English. Mm. Um, so I don't think that's feasible to, to say that. I think one has to start from the point of view that public media cannot and will not and won't be simply replaced by, by the the private sector mm-hmm. and, and, and the services it provides. I mean, let's look at what the debate that's going on in the UK at the moment where the Tories under the Johnson government proposed doing away with the, the BBC licence fee. Now, the BBC is obviously... The you know the, the 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 grand old public broadcaster, which spawned a lot of these in 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 in, in the colonies of of the British Empire, um, Canada, Australia, uh, and many many countries in the Commonwealth, have a very similar structure. Yeah. But the BBC has been a very successful public broadcaster, and the license fee was largely supported by the populace. Mm. Um, you know, Johnson's uh, decision to scrap it, and it hasn't happened yet, uh, was described by one commentator as an act of political vandalism. Okay, <laughs> And I understand what they mean, because where you've got a separate levy, uh, if it's not working, fix it. If it's badly defined, redefine it. But why a separate levy is important, it gives the broadcaster an independent source of funding that it doesn't have to go cap in hand for the whole bank shoot to the state because mm. then you know you are subject to political pressure um, at the moment the SBC only gets 3% but often the SBC does need like with the bailout, the bailout. Mm. to get assistance and the fact that we only collected you know 800 odd million uh, last year um, around uh, just over 40 million dollars it still pays for, for something mm-hmm. um, so I I totally accept that the way that the current system is, is, is defined and conceived is archaic, and one could even argue broken, but it needs to be fixed, and we've tried to propose how.
0: Right, right. And what's the reception from government been on your proposals?
1: Well, from what we've seen, I think they like the concept of a household levy um, and, and sort of delinking it from a TV, but I have, I'm still waiting to see the feedback on how it would be collected, and I think that's really the the important thing.
0: Now, there's a piece of um, draft legislation that's been knocking around for quite some time now. uh, I forget the full title. It's the audiovisual.
1: Well, there was a a white paper on the audio and audiovisual content services framework, which I must disclose that I was uh, part of the uh, panel of experts that helped draft it. Um, I'm not sure what the progress on now, but that was really looking at um, how to review our broadcast legislation. I mean, our broadcast legislation, the founding act of the SABC is 23 years old. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, The electronic communications act, which deals with broadcasting as well as telecoms um, is 17 years old. And if you can just imagine what has happened in the space that you cover, that tech central covers in the last 20 years, Mm. it's an incredible change. So what we need is an expeditious review of the current legislation and the drafters of the white paper and government w- which published it took a view that how the Europeans had done it is they defined it as, you know, that that broadcasting would be just one subset of audio and audiovisual content services because ultimately broadcast is a technology. Mm. There are many different ways and services and that would also bring the streamers in um, and cover them and, and, and how the Europeans do it is they require that, that the, the Netflixes. Um, for, have, have a domicile in Europe and set up an office, and so that they they 're not regulated as, as heavily as those who 've got spectrum, mm. but there are obligations certainly on online safety um, and, and and takedowns and, and and online harms basically so I think we South Africa urgently needs to review its legislation because it 's one thing to say you know is the SABC viable? Uh, why can't uh, you achieve break-even? Why are you having all these bailouts? Well, why, one bailout every 10 years because the last one was 10 years before that. I think that the problem is is that that's all fair criticism. But then the policy framework needs to be enabling the SABC um, instead of SABC competing with one hand behind its back.
0: So that that legislation will then if it com- turns becomes legislation, that's going to deal with the funding issues around the SABC. Yes, it's all, yes. All contained, contained in that white paper.
1: One hopes so. Yeah. Um, there probably would need to be two different bills. One, an SABC bill, right. which would amend the Broadcasting Act. Another would be an Electronic Communication Act amendment bill, which would amend that part of the, the legislation that deals with broadcasting. Um, whether it comes in together, I'm, I'm not sure. And, I, and, I, and I'm sure we've, we, we, we're not there yet. Hmm. But I think that the industry really welcomed it because it doesn't just affect the SABC, it affects the, the, the private sector as well and the community media sector. So I think it's urgent uh, that we have an ex- expeditious uh, review and amendment of the legislation. Am, am I right
0: in thinking that the process seems to have stalled a bit?
1: I, I, I can't say for sure, uh, Duncan. Uh, it's been a while since I checked exactly where it is. Uh, the last time I heard is that the department was taking had taken oral and written submissions on the on the white paper mm-hmm. and I think they were now deciding the best course of action.
0: Okay. So there does there's something happening. Something honest. is happening. Okay. Uh, I wanted to ask you just in the broad terms about the South African broadcasting landscape. You've spoken about how multi choice had a monopoly and was able to build up a dominant position in pay television. Um, we, we've got one, one free, I think it's just one free, uh, free-to-air competitor to the SABC in the form of ETV, which has built a number of uh, products around that over the years. But just looking at the way the market is structured, um, we've got the streamers coming in. We've, it's got StarSat, which came in to compete with Multitrust. I don't think has done particularly well providing competition in, in, that, in the satellite pay TV market. And we've got the SABC I'm um, just looking at top down at the, at the way the market is structured. What do you think is working well, and what what needs to be fixed? And if there is stuff that needs to be fixed, how should it be fixed?
1: Uh, that's, a, that's a tough question. I think the the first thing is what we've just been talking about is mm-hmm. that the policy framework needs to be fixed. Okay. I think that once your policy framework is fixed, then I'd be more you know inclined to to say what you're saying is you know let the, let the games begin, let people compete uh, fairly on, on on a very well defined Policy framework, but it's not really equitable, Um, and and the SABC has identified a number of areas. It's not just legislation, Duncan. It's also a cast of regulations that have been a problem for the SABC. Mm -hmm. Um, In the one hand, there's obviously the uh, well-publicised must carry rules, and there's also the sports rights area, Um, and you know. SABC felt that not only was the legislation outdated and needed to be changed, but regulations that had been passed in you know, 2008 um, and, and even earlier mm-hmm. on both must carry and, and, and must carry was 2008, sports broadcasting was, was a while earlier. Time had moved on, um, and we, you know, one of the things that the board achieved was that ICASA did amend the must carry regulations to say that there needs to be commercial negotiations between multi-choice, or I didn't name multi-choice, but subscription broadcasters and the public broadcaster for the public broadcaster's TV channels. I understand that those negotiations have already started and I don't know where they are at, but that started and that's progress. On the sports rights issue, sports is is a public mandate issue and obviously the public broadcaster has to acquire rights to Mm -hmm. cover uh, national sporting events. But it found when you talk about the market structure, the market structure in the sports rights area was absolutely skewed. Um, with with the you know the situation that sports rights bodies, and I'm I'm talking locally and sometimes internationally, would give all the rights. Well, I will not give multi choice would buy all the rights on all platforms and even platforms that it, it doesn't use, and then SABC would be required to sub-license those rights from Mm multi-choice, it was in the sub-licensing of those rights where SABC started encountering problems. One of them being was that multi-choice decided to require that SABC not show whatever rights were being uh, acquired. I think one was the PSL. The other was when SABC was trying to acquire rugby rights. Is multi-choice said, yes, you can have these rights for whatever money uh, was being asked for. But you can't show them on SABC Sports Channel, which is on OpenView and DTT and on, on streaming. You can only show them on a terrestrial network.
0: Mm.
1: Now, the SABC felt quite strongly and put it to MultiChoice choice that that was you know, anti-competitive. Um, it was the dominant player and is the dominant player in sports broadcasting in South Africa. SABC launched a sports channel, which was another thing that happened under, under the previous boards mm. term. Um, and in order to get that sports channel working and SABC be able to deliver, it needed to acquire sports rights that it could show on that channel. And yes, that channel is on the OpenView platform. But it's irrelevant because it's an SABC channel. It mm. doesn't matter where it's being carried. But Multishow stuck to its guns. And the consequence is, is that the SABC has, has now submitted, well, not now, a few months ago, a complaint to the Competition Commission, and that complaint is before them. I can't say much more about that now, but I you know, can confirm that that complaint was put in and it was about the, the sub-licensing uh, of, of sports rights and the concerns about anti-competitive conditions. So market structure, there were changes that are required on the regulatory level and on the legislative level.
0: Right, right. There have been a number of complaints over the years to the Competition Commission. I remember StarSat also lodged a complaint at one point about licensing super, one of the supersport channels for the StarSat service. And it never went anywhere. They never see, The complaints about multi-choice at the Competition Commission never seemed to result in anything. Is that a fair comment, do you think? Our unfair unfair question. Perhaps? I think that's unfair. I think you <laughs> asked the Competition Commission <laughs> that. Fair enough, fair enough. Let's talk then about digital migration. Um, I'm, I'm sure this was a top-of-mind issue for you throughout your five-year tenure at the SABC. Um, Given all we know now, and how far behind this project is, and the all the disasters, disastrous steps along the way, um, how do you think this project, in hindsight, should have been done? Well, that's a
1: that's a great question, Duncan. I mean, you know, often I say to people that when you look at the the bad, uh, the maladministration of of, of the the pre two you know let's let's call it sort of the 10 years pre-2017, um, it wasn't just some of the allegedly and proven corrupt deals that were done. It was the deals that weren't done. Mm. It was the decisions that weren't taken that I personally believe were the most damaging. And what do I mean by that? I mean that the SABC should have had its own box from the start and that the SABC should have done exactly what multi-choice does with its box, mm-hmm. control it vertically. In other words, decide on the technology of the box, install the box, be responsible for customer service for the box, and control the process from beginning to end. Mm. But unfortunately, what happened here was SABC did not do that. And government decided, in their wisdom at the time, to become involved in the procurement of the set-top boxes for the indigent. Mm-hmm. Okay? And that's where I think th- things started going wrong, because then the SABC suddenly was dependent on a technology platform where Centec is the distributor, but the box upon which it was, its content was going to be carried, SABC had zero control over what type of box it was and the installation and verification mm. of that installation. And I think that's where the problem started. Um, and then successive boards came in, and there were debates about policy, which I won't go into here. You've covered it extensively. And I think really... Then one, the one thing that the SABC had to be sure of is that, okay, you know, history is history. It's too late for SABC to get its box. Financially, it would not be possible now. You know, that ship has sailed, and that's why the SABC has done other platform deals so it's not dependent on one platform. But the SABC is also dependent on the installation of those boxes. In a critical mass of homes, particularly not just in the indigent, but also for people who are not interested in to be able to buy those boxes in the retail market. And that's been one of the concerns expressed by the, 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 the board that I was a member of, was that they were concerned that this installation process had not gone as well as, as, as one had hoped, that the SABC was vulnerable. Remember, it was going to be switched off on the 31st of March. The SABC was vulnerable um, to being switched off because a lot of its core audience are the poorer and most precariously poor people in South Africa um, who don't have a voice, who were not able to phone up talk shows in the metros and complain about it when suddenly their screens went blank. And, but those audiences are SABC's core mandate audiences. And therefore, it was a huge risk to see the potential of those audiences being lost to the SABC mm. and those audiences losing access to the public broadcasters' news services as well, so those were the concerns were expressed. I think it's been publicly reported what happened. Uh, the the ETV, ETV took uh, took the minister to court. Eventually, the constitutional court found that the, the, the deadline was, was you know was over, was, too, was aggressive. too aggressive, and now the minister is 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 is, a, is, is going to be consulting with the ABC with the private sector about a new switch off date, and I think that's a welcome thing. I think and in the meantime I think there's been more installations happening but I do think that there's a, there's a concern for me is that there is a, a lack of alternative boxes apart from multi-choice and, and open view mm-hmm. on the retail market and I think there there's a gap in the market for for someone to take
0: right right I mean but looking back at this thing I mean there were so many vested interests so at one point I remember uh, Chris Becker of NASPAT and the Minister of Communications at the time, Yunus Karim having a public uh, falling out with each other. I think that was probably the low point in this whole mm. entire process. Um, but um, d- at the core of it, was this because politicians were trying to run the process, getting involved where they shouldn't have been in commercial decisions? Um, uh, and how, how much of a finger do you think we should be pointing at companies like multi choice, like ETV, which insisted that there be conditional access in these set-top boxes, encryption in these set-top boxes. I mean, where where can we point fingers here? Or is everybody kind of to play?
1: (laughs) You know, I think you've answered your own question
0: there. Um,
1: (laughs) I think that, look, I think it's up for for journalists, for academics to look at this period and properly study what went wrong and why. Um, All I can say as a former SABC board director, what I would have certainly wanted to do if I was a director at that time when the events that you talk about were happening, and that would have been to push for SABC to have more control over over its own destiny. Um, Losing that control has hurt SABC on the TV side and made it more vulnerable. Who's to blame? What was the policy decisions at the time? Were they correct? Weren't they correct? I think I'll leave that for uh, historians historians (laughs) and and journalists like yourself.
0: (laughs) All right. Thanks, Michael. Um, Before I let you go, let's talk a little bit about the future. So streaming is taking over. Um, Certainly there's a huge role, especially in the African and South African context for traditional linear broadcasting still, uh, uh, data affordability being an issue, et cetera, et cetera. But that's changing. We had uh, the CEO of Umatel in here a few days ago who talked about rolling out uh, uh, fibre into... The townships, and not only into the townships, but also into uh, into um, you know areas where it was inconceivable that fibre would be rolled up before never mind mobile services. Mm. Uh, and he's talking about doing this for less less than a hundred rand a month for uncapped fibre, uh, which potentially changes everything in the media game yeah. in South Africa. Um, but let's look at the rise of streaming and. Um, We've seen certainly at the top end of the market services like Netflix and Amazon and Apple TV Plus and all of these mm. things, entering the market. It's become very competitive. Multi-choice is feeding that competitive mm. pressure more than at any time in its history. Mm. What does this all mean for the public broadcaster? Okay. Um, do you, you know, is is streaming the future of public broadcasting as well? And how does the SABC, if it is, how does the SABC get ready for this new era?
1: Um I think the SABC is, is 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 very well aware of what it needs to do in this space. I think it announced made announcements previously through our management at the time uh, that the SABC needed its own streaming platform because what the SABC has got, which the other uh, streamers don't have, and of course the SABC doesn't have what they've got is multi-billion-dollar content budgets. Yeah. But what the SABC does have is an incredible resource of indigenous language programming on audio and on tv Mm -hmm. the archives are currently being digitized at hundreds of thousands of hours a year um and that uh, the digitized archives of the sabc could become the really the the pot of gold underneath a streaming platform for the sabc in terms of the depth Mm. of that platform no one suggests for one minute that the sabc is going to come out and compete head-on with these global platforms and with multi-choice because they covering a particular niche of high-end premium content. Um, SABC needs to obviously produce good local content and acquire some competitive international uh, content, but it needs to also make its offering available in a way that's affordable because it'll be free, but it also data is the, the challenge. Mm. And I think you know, it's, you, you're saying that the, uh, the, the infrastructure players and the, the service providers are bringing that cost down. I think that's very important, so because SABC would need to cater for 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 uh, audiences that may not be able to afford streaming. Um, and so I think it's important that when they launch a streaming service, which is very much on the cards, hopefully in 2023 it'll be its SABC's own streaming service, that it it becomes the future of the SABC, mm. um, because everyone is consuming everyone who can afford data, that is, let me just qualify it, consuming media on their phones and their devices. And SABC is very well aware of it, but but unfortunately and fortunately, uh, when SABC or anyone who's subject to the PFMA does a procurement of that size, yeah. it's obviously a much more time-consuming process. But there's, there's, when I say fortunately, we've had too many issues in the past where tech in the public sector... Has not led to good outcomes. Mm. There's been a lot of challenges, well reported in, in in on your site as well, on just big tech projects that have failed dismally in uh, municipalities and government departments, and we don't want to see that again. Mm. Mm. We want SABC to come out with a proper, properly procured um, platform that is best of breed and that can, you know, be attractive, mm. um, and that the SABC is not seen as just old technology, old content, that it has new, fresh content, that it's able to attract a a younger South African viewer and listener to. Um, And I'm pretty confident if that platform can be launched in 2023, um, that that new journey can begin for the SABC and play a part, hopefully, in the sustainability of the public broadcaster.
0: What what are we looking at here? I mean, is it going to be something like the BBC's iPlayer, that level of sophistication?
1: Look, all I can say without getting—I mean—the the tender details were public yeah. in terms of the specs that people wanted, but that—that's very similar to what the aim was. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not—it's not, it's not a, you know when the BBC iPlayer launched, it was like a, a hey wow moment for, for everyone. But now it's it's it, it's it's quite a common mm. uh, platform. Um, what what I like personally about the BBC iPlayer was that you had to put your your license fee number in to get access to all the content. So while it's not a subscription platform, it's saying, well, it recognized whether you've done your public duty by paying the license fee. And I think when one's talking about others collecting the SABC's license fee, Mm -hmm. that is not to say the SABC is is absolved from collecting it for itself. It must carry on. Mm -hmm. It's just to collect from those who haven't paid the SABC directly.
0: Michael, we could talk all afternoon. There's so much to talk about in this uh, space, but we have to call it at some point. It's always great to chat to you. Let's get you back into the studio at some point and uh, talk all matters broadcasting and media. Michael Markowitz is head of the newly created Gibbs Media Leadership Think Tank and until recently an SABC board director. Thanks for a great discussion. Thanks for having me.